0: The Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. In this segment, we're going to talk about the top six Fords, the hockey news, the mothership. I'm the site editor of the Sens site, but the mothership, the main site, they have high hopes for the Ottawa Senators for the coming year. Greg, they voted the Sens the uh, top five. Their top six forwards are in the top five in the NHL. That is how the NHL world, not just uh, the city of Ottawa and its hockey fan base and media, think about the Ottawa Senators' top six, that's how uh, yeah, the hockey world is looking at this team. The secret, I think, is uh, is no longer a secret. The word is out on the Sens. They have some really high-end forwards up front. Do you think, though, they're that good that they uh, that they should crack the top five
1: overall in the NHL? I certainly think so. I mean, we've, we talked about this last year that the top six, we thought last year's top six was, was right up there around the NHL. And I think this year is no different. Uh, yeah. Okay. You lost, uh, you lost one guy, but you gained another guy. I don't know that there's all that much of a drop off here. If Tarasenko's going to produce anywhere near, anywhere near the level, uh, I think, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a top. Well, don't you think it's a top five? I mean,
0: it's a case of you know you really have to do your due diligence and go through you know every team in the league. But I have a hard, I, I, you know, I mean, yeah, how can you not be excited about the top six they have uh, as it lies right now? Now it could all change with the Joss Norris factor, of course. Yeah. Maybe Tarasenko doesn't, you know, maybe this is the year he decides to drop off a cliff. But uh, you
1: know, well, right into the, the gate. To me, yeah. that's the only, sorry to interrupt. That's the only question I think is, is Terrasenko, Does Terrasenko produce the way the cat did? And, and really, uh, uh you're going to get a better year. I think uh, we all both think out of, out of Stutzla. Kachuk is Kachuk. There's no problem there. Maybe Clojurew slips a little bit, but he's still a top six forward in this end league. There's no question about that. batherson has got to be better this year. Uh, if Terasenko even matches what you got out of to and you've got supposedly a healthy Josh Norris. Boom. I mean, that, 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 that to me is a great top six. And even, even beyond that, we've discussed the, the, the Kuba contribution that could happen here. Uh, there's, there's other guys that could step up in there. Really? great could end up being here. Your, your second line center if Josh Norris is out for long, but before Pinto comes back. Yeah, it's a top six. I don't, I, I didn't, I got to confess. I didn't see the article. I don't know who else is up there. Uh, I mean, who, who who do they have there? Who's who's one, two, three? Obviously, the Leafs, I guess, are probably in the top
0: five. That would be number one: Leafs, yeah. Oilers, Devils, Penguins are yeah. your top four. I see. I was a little surprised to see the Penguins in there still at this stage of the game. I was thinking about how I don't know. Maybe it was almost symbolic the other night when Tim Stutzla is blowing past Yevgeny Malkin, and Malkin <laughs> vainly sort of slashes at him and breaks his stick into over. Tim Stutzler's stick blade, and I'm thinking, yeah, that felt like almost a passing of the torch there. Uh, I honestly think that uh, I would take the Sens as as much as I, like any Canadian, love Sidney Crosby and the career that he's had. Uh, I just don't think that uh, the depth is there in Pittsburgh the Mm -hmm. way it now is in Ottawa.
1: Well, Jake Gensel has definitely come on in the last few years. Like, this guy's a bona fide top six guy and his top three guy on on most teams, probably. Uh, Big health issues, too, though. True, true. How much, how much of the Pittsburgh ranking is reputational versus, right. you know, actual? You know, like, yeah, you've got Crosby and Malcolm still there in your top six. That's a good place to start from. If it's 2012, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how much of that is, is, uh, is reputational. Like I said, versus, versus reality. That's a, it's a, it's a strong group. I mean, the Pittsburgh's got other problems beyond worrying about who's playing in their top six.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt about that. But how about that the other night when the Sens are taking on the Penguins and and credit to them for a three nothing victory? If you're a coach, could you imagine a better situation for your penalty kill to both get up to speed and, 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 and practice against, you know, uh, truly the best and not only the confidence that comes with shutting down that power play? You had Carlson and Latang on the back end. You had Malkin and Crosby up front and inserts, you know, fifth forward here but or a fifth uh fifth player here but i mean you look at that if you're a coach to be able to send your pk out against a hall of fame power play like that and then come out the way they did that that was pretty cool
1: i yeah and i was we were talking before we before we started here uh this morning i I really like the pk again in winnipeg too uh it's much more aggressive now you've got uh you got guys with with good feet and good brains. I mean, that's what it takes to kill penalties. You got to be able to skate. You got to be smart. And their PK yeah. has been really good. Their D zone coverage is it mirrors it obviously as far as the the pressure aspect of it goes. They've looked really good in their own zone. The speed up front. I really thought that Winnipeg game that looked like wow. You know, this is the way the team should be looking playing games in in January or February. They looked fully up to speed. That lineup in Winnipeg may not have been the strongest. Uh, for Winnipeg, I'm saying, but uh, they looked really good there the other night. I'm I, I'm I'm impressed with the this the stage they're at. Uh, this in, in training camp, still playing exhibition games, they look pretty darn good.
0: I'd say, you know, I think the most exciting thing for Senators fans, you know, I mean, after six years of missing the playoffs, one of the most exciting things is well, this the way the team is right now is looking very very good for the coming season, but you know, here's a team that is now been ranked in the top five, you know, that's not the gospel. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's, it's fairly exciting just from that perspective. And I think we can agree, Greg, we have not seen these guys at their best yet. I don't know if there's anybody beyond Tarasenko where I say, you know what? I, I mean, Giroux, of course, age wise, you, 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 you probably have seen their best, but you know, the other four, you look at them and say, I don't think we've seen their best yet. They're just still so young.
1: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I thought I, first I thought you were talking about their best so far this season, but yeah, the best in their career. Yes, for sure, yeah. all of them are going to get better. Like look at how Batherson's come along. He, he had a great couple games out uh, down east. Uh, he's got so much more to to give and so much more to develop. Stutzla, we're all in agreement. He's going to be a hundred point scorer. He might even get to fifty goals. Um Yeah, I, their their future looks so much brighter. than than many other top six groups around the NHL. So that factors into it. As much as we think maybe Pittsburgh's uh, ranking has to do with reputational and historical, Ottawa's ranking might have as much to do with future and potential out of these guys that that puts them into the top five. Yeah.
0: So when you're watching the game the other night, the Sens win again by a count of 3 nothing. They improve to 6-1 and with that victory in Winnipeg you're looking up and down that roster, it really is pretty clear that DJ Smith wants to hit the ground running. We've said that the last two off-seasons, yeah, you're going to hit the ground running. He really seems committed to it this year. For the second game in a row, he goes with a very star-laden lineup, very close to what it might look like on opening night. Yes, there are still jobs to be won, but uh, he's looking like he's uh, treating this, I'm going to call it the, and I'm going to trademark this, the pregular season. Sorry, howdy. Anyway, um, that's terrible. I'm not. I don't. I don't I'm not even trading. Right. In fact, I regret that I said it just now. In any event, um, when you looked at that game the other night, I, I mean, did you see anybody that looked really out of place? I mean, I could see anybody that was from the Rourke Chartiers of the world. I could see pretty much everybody looking just fine if they made opening night.
1: For sure. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you brought up Rook Sharkshay, uh, Chartier. Um, I really liked his game. This kid brings energy. Yeah. He's got, like we talked about, good feet, good speed, uh, good smarts. He looked really good in the PK. He looked real good at five on five. This is a guy who can play in the bottom six on this team. Uh, that's, that's mm-hmm. the dilemma that the Senators have now. I'm like, who would have, they're like, okay, we all know what's going to happen someday, but who would have thought it would was going to come down to that now? Like, oh my god, who's playing in your bottom, you know, who's your fourth line? Who's your third line? There's a lot of decisions still to be made with uh, it's either 18 or 19 forwards still in camp here, and two of them are question marks, I really only see seven guys as in. Like I I got seven guys in, I got two guys question marks, and then I got nine guys for the other three, four, or five spots, depending on what happens with Norris and Pinto. And any one of those nine guys could be in this lineup, could make this team, and I don't think would be a problem. Okay. As
0: we are about to hit break here, put your coaching hat on for us. If you had to pick right now, What's your oh. bottom six right now? Just make your best guess. It doesn't have to be carved in stone. I'm just saying as as of now, what Greg Kennedy would do if you have to have opening night tonight. Oh boy. That's, that's wow.
1: That, well, do I have Norris and Pinto or don't I? That's I mean, yeah.
0: Let's put them in, but just go ahead and put them in. Let's assume that they're okay, going to be so, good to so go. If
1: Norris and Pinto are in that makes a top nine. So you're really only okay. Who's the, who's the bottom three or four. Um, I think that if, if those two are in, then I think that spells the end for Ridley Gregg. There's no need to keep him here. Uh, let's get him some development time. Um, I, I, I thought Parker Kelly finally played a half decent game in Winnipeg, but I don't know that, that he's played well enough now that, uh, other guys have passed him, I think. So I'm looking at, at Yarventi and Schmeichel. I really like both of them. Um, and I've liked, and I've liked Sharche. Uh, so there is uh, is that my bottom three? I mean, I, that, that cuts out Castellick, who, who really, I, he's yet to do anything, has he? Uh, McEwen has not been impressive, but I think he makes it just because they, they, they're going to keep a tough guy around. So if I'm taking a bottom four, let's say it's to me, it's Chartier, Arventi, Schmeichel and McEwen. I'm, I'm saying thanks. No thanks to Josh Bailey. I'm sending, sending Parker Kelly and, and, and uh, uh, Kastelik down and I'm letting Ridley Gregg go down too.
0: What, what do you think? I have a feeling. I have a feeling Bailey going to make it. But so this do is I. an exercise in what. <laughs> this is an exercise in what we th- we would do, yeah. and not so much what we think will happen. Because I think where I see Josh Bailey twice in this preseason wearing the A as a professional tryout guy, that makes me think that something is, 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 has been promised. Potentially, we'll see. Uh, but uh, no, I'd probably Smakel for sure. I like Castalic. I'm going basic based on liking him most of last year so yeah. far in the preseason, I, I think it's been great. It's been weird watching him where Alex De number 12, right? The biggest, strongest guy in the team. Maybe takes over from the littlest last year at number 12. So it, it looks like he's taking some growth pills or something out there. The old 12 has gotten a little large, but I got cast a look in the middle between Smakel. And I'm going to give Zach McEwen a try just because he's got the NHL track record. Obviously, Claude Giroux probably signed off on that as his old Philly teammate. I'm going to put some stock into what Giroux has to think about the guy and and say that uh, that'll be a nice – rambunctious fourth line to start the season. We shall take a time out on the program. Back with more coming up after these words. Introducing the all-new 2023 Ford Bronco Sport, now available at Jim K. Ford. With its rugged design and off-road capabilities, this SUV is built for adventure. Whether you're heading off the beaten path or just cruising around town, the Bronco Sport delivers performance, comfort, and style. With four-wheel drive, terrain management system, and advanced safety technology, you can take on any road with confidence. Adventure awaits at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans, or JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Right then, welcome back to the program. Do you put any stock in preseason <laughs> success at all? Because this just in, even though they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves, uh, that all counts for nothing. It's all slate-wiped clean coming up on, what, Tuesday? Let me see, a 7, 8, 9, 11, no Wednesday, Wednesday. This is October 11th in Carolina <laughs> late is wiped clean. And uh, do you put any stock into success in the preseason at all?
1: Not in the record. Uh, I, I, it's more about execution. Um, you know, how how are we executing the game plan? How are we playing our game? Let's go out mm-hmm. and play our game for 60 minutes and, and we'll take the result we get. And uh, so far, those results have been very good, but the, the game they've looked very good. Uh, slight tweaks here and there. We, we mentioned it earlier. D zone coverage is much better. Uh, when they've got the when they got the better players in the lineup and the speeds there, the forecheck is so good. Power play looks real good. That's going to be fun to watch all year. PK's been good. Like, yeah, on a big picture, looking at the team's performance, regardless of results, they look good. That's that's the kind of things that a coaching staff, evaluation team, management team, everybody they're looking at at the the execution of the systems and how well are we playing the way we want to play. And and yeah, I, I put a lot of stock in that. The six and one doesn't matter so much.
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. There really seems to be um, a new spirit of enough of this BS. Like it's always been a young, fun, loving team that gets along great. And, and I might even accuse the blue Jays a little of this. And we'll talk about the Jays and their demise a little later on. I know you're looking forward to that segment, but there's always been a a little bit too much fun going on. And uh, I, I don't know. I've, I'm not sure I want to accuse the sense of that, but maybe dabbling in it a little bit. And, and this particular training camp and, and through the preseason, they already seem mentally to be in a space of the way a team would be in late November. Like they, they really seem to be in a mode of, okay, enough of this BS. Let's get serious. Let's really take a run at this thing. And, and that, I don't know, are you, are you picking up that vibe at all?
1: Yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the more businesslike. Maybe that's what we're looking for. The, the that's a good sport. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yes, and and it was it was the one thing we were kind of lamenting, uh, out of last year's camp, right? We 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 all the same storylines going in. Need to get hit the ground running. Yada yada. But let's be more businesslike. We're going to be closer to the final product uh, before we get to the last couple exhibition games. This year, they seem to have actually done that, which is what we expected from right. them. I expect a slew of, of, uh, releases or reassignments, uh, today, later on today, if not tomorrow. And you'll be down to the final roster on Sunday, I would, I would assume, or pretty darn close. Um, so yeah, it's definitely appeared more business-like and let's get to things quicker and let's have a, a more, uh, the sense of urgency that's, that's been lacking in the last couple of years. It, it appears to be there now.
0: Yeah. And it really looks to me like, Jacob Chikrin has added this extra layer of stability. He just, uh, I don't know. The, we Most of the defensemen that have come for, through Ottawa until Jake Sanderson and Jacob Chikrin have usually been one of two things. All offense or all defense. And I love the balance that Sanderson and Jacob Chikrin have. And I think we're going to see you know, and maybe it's been that, that that's just what DJ Smith has lacked. We've certainly been hard on that coaching staff for not figuring out D zone coverage. But if preseason is any kind of a semi reflection of what we're going to see in the regular season, like the just the five alarm chances, the running around in their own zone, there hasn't been much of it in the preseason. And that's that leaves me hopeful and, and, and encouraged for what's to come.
1: Yeah, it's a stabilizing factor on the blue line. Right, Those those two guys just sort of, boom, everything's good now. The right pieces fit into the puzzle. You've got six guys who are going to play the whole year here, playing the right minutes against the right opponents in the right situations. It makes D-zone coverage better because they're better. That and a a natural maturation process uh, amongst the forwards makes the five-man unit that much better in their own zone. I don't think that either Chikrin or Sanderson is necessarily going to be a a top-five scoring defenseman in the NHL. But that's fine you don't need that they're going to bring you a a decent number of offensive points production wise but it's so much more on the other end that they stabilize things you've got a top four that actually looks like a top four on the blue line that could play elsewhere in the nhl and be a top four defenseman instead of placeholders and fillers and seat filler guys you've actually got six defensemen now who belong here
0: yeah the thing chikrin also adds not only just by his own presence and the skill that he delivers. I think he's going to make Thomas Shabbat a better defenseman. It looks for sure like those two are going to start the year together as a pairing. And we've talked about, you know, what Thomas Shabbat needs is a Mark Mathot type. What mathot was for Eric Carlson, they need someone like that for Thomas Shabbat. And the thing is, Chikrin actually brings a little of what Shabbat delivers with the puck moving with the offensive stride. But I do think, that he's going to be awesome for Thomas Shabbat. He's, so again, not only is Chikrin a big asset, he's going to be a big asset, I think, for Thomas Shabbat as well. What do you
1: think? Agree totally. Agree totally. Um, on everything you just said, we've been waiting for it. we wanted it. We've said they needed it. And now you've got one, and here he is. Like It could have been Zub. A matter of fact, it probably was Zub. But the problem was the rest of the people around them weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. That put extra pressure on Shabbat increased minutes, playing too many minutes without Zub. You know, it just, it screwed everything up. Uh, but now you've got four of them. And yeah, maybe he's not playing with Zub. He's playing with Chikrin. It doesn't matter. Any one of those four can play with any of the other four. And you've got two pairs there that are good. But it will definitely, definitely, number one uh, uh, feature or benefit here from the whole thing of Chikrin is that, yes, it makes Shabbat better.
0: Even though I'm encouraged by what I've seen just for everything we just talked about, I'm still, I still have Shabbat as the number three. And yet (laughs) we're still seeing Shabbat outpacing everybody in time on ice. I think in the game in Winnipeg, he had two or three minutes more than Sanderson and Chikrin. Like how long will DJ Smith roll with Thomas Shabbat is my very best defenseman when it's clear I think outside that locker room with a lot of fans, a lot of media that he is not.
1: Well, I think it's partially allowing Jake Sanderson to grow into the role of, uh, of a number one defenseman. Um, they brought him along fairly slowly last season, Sanderson's development and what he played and where he played and what kind of situations he was in. I just think it's a continuation of that process. The day will come when Sanderson is number one here and plays the most minutes. It just doesn't have to be right away. So if it doesn't have to be right away, let's not put the pressure on the kid. Let's let him grow into the role, and eventually he will be number one here. I
0: wonder, as we look ahead to opening night, the home opener, what maybe special thing might occur leading (laughs) up to that game? Because I think, I'm going to guess you're probably on the same page if you give it some thought. What might happen on opening night, do you think? As the Ottawa Senators begin their home schedule,
1: <laughs> what, what are you? What are you? What are you? What are we? You're trying to lead me down a path to something. but Alfie's going to be announced to something. There it is. <laughs> Alfie. Alfie being hired
0: the day of that game. I'm calling it right now. Really Alfie being hired the day. Yes, he's going to come out and drop the puck just like he did last year because of his Hall of Fame. He's going to do it again this year. He's All going right. to drop the puck a few hours after they announce that he's been hired. Something, I don't know, player personnel, player development, whatever it is, but back in the organization on an official basis, and he drops the puck to kick
1: off the home oh, schedule. Uh, Calling my shot right now. I was thinking maybe Lyndon Slewage is going to come out and sing the anthems.
0: Man, you are hiring Lyndon
1: Slewage. <laughs> wow. I miss him.
0: Yeah, he's pretty good. He was pretty good. Yeah. And then uh, I, I think about... There's probably a whole generation of Ottawa hockey fans who are now in their 20s, who grew up with that guy the same way, say, Habs fans grew up with Roger with mm-hmm. the Montreal Canadiens dynasty back in the 1970s. So, yeah, I think it would be a pretty popular thing. I'm not, I'm not sure what we, you know, what his health status is, what's going on with him, or you know, but it's, it's not a bad thought because. Since Michael Andlauer took over this team, everything's been about mending fences and bringing back what was once good. I'm
1: all in. I'm all in. Bring back Lyndon Sluage. Bring back Alfie. I'm in. Bring back Alanis. Oh, that'd Bring be back, cool. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they could do a duet. Alanis. And she, of course, did the very first game ever for the Sens. And a little Lyndon Sluage. A little duet. I don't mind that. Uh, we'll take a time out of the program. When we come back, we'll get into the Jays' demise we'll also talk about the Shane Pinto dialogue. Is it maybe getting out of control? We'll get to it after these words introducing the future of driving with Ford electric vehicles now available at Jim K Ford. Say goodbye to gas stations and hello to efficiency with electric power that delivers a smooth and silent ride. With advanced technology and smart features you'll experience a whole new level of convenience and connectivity and with Ford's commitment to sustainability you'll also be doing your part for the planet. So come on down to Jim K Ford today and test drive the future with Ford EVs or visit us online at jimkford.com. At Jim K Ford Lincoln
1: we say
0: yes! Did you have a chance to see Connor Bedard's penalty shot last night? Like that was, or I don't know, it was a shootout. Sorry, not a penalty shot, but that was interesting because you know the way it finishes. Yeah, he ends up on his butt, or no, he lurches forward. But I I mean, even even a blooper by Connor Bedard is filled with skill. He made like about a million head fakes and bobs and weaves and stick fakes, and and then oh, he just falls and doesn't get a Oops. shot away. And it was a Marc-Andre Fleury that comes by after he falls on his butt and the puck goes back the other direction, kind of taps him on the shin pads like, nice try, kid. Uh, but like I say, even even his uh, foibles look pretty damn good at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, he's he, he's a bit of a player. As they say, Steve, he's a player. I like the Taylor yeah, yeah. Hall. Uh, uh, Taylor Hall scored on a breakaway on Fleury earlier in the game, made a nice move on his uh, breakaway beautiful. goal. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we should give some love to Claude Giroux for his breakaway goal yeah. the other night as well. Like, how many how many ways does Claude Giroux have to beat you? There's a guy, you remember, it was the last year where he just winds up with a big old slap shot from the high slot on a breakaway and scored. Uh, he, of course, has almost mastered the Datsuk move, which we haven't seen in a while. I don't know if I've seen him do the Datsuk move in Ottawa yet or try it even, but he I've seen him do that in Philadelphia. It's awesome. And then he had this neat little... Looks like I'm going to go backhand and then last second cut to far side yeah. and and tuck it in on on the right post. I mean, he's got a lot of ways to beat you on a breakaway, doesn't he?
1: He's a he's a very talented hockey player. That's what they call the Nuenenike. Joey Nuenenike used to do that move a lot.
0: I've never heard it called the Nuenenike. Okay, yeah, it's the that's Neuendijk. good that he has got a name. Yeah. Um, Shane Pinto. Yeah. I, I'm sure we're we're getting to a stage. I think. I was thinking about this the other day and I've written a lot about this and obviously I've talked about it. Shane Pinto and it's not a holdout obviously. I'm old enough to, we're both old enough to remember when there are actual holdouts. This is a guy that doesn't have a contract and and is waiting for one and feels like the apparent 1 year $1 million deal that the Sens are offering is really not market value for him and he's right, but the Sens are up against it so they kind of need him to help them out a little bit here yeah. if they're going to, you know, get this dance done. At the same time, I I realized this week that we've now moved to a point where the angst and concern over Shane Pinto being re-signed is is no longer in line with the guy's actual value to the Ottawa Senators. Like I'm encouraged by his ceiling, and he's going to get better. I am. But end of the day, I mean, I didn't see a player... And this is going to sound like I'm ripping the kid and I don't like him. No, I do like him and I do want to see the senators re-sign him, obviously. But I think we maybe need to dial back the level of outcry over, oh my God, we've got to get this guy signed. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. It's it's, It's important, but it's not going to be a make
1: or break thing the way Josh Norris will be. Yeah. And it's, it's not like he kept getting lumped in with Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale. Like it's, it's nowhere near that level. Um, I'm sorry, folks. Yes. He scored 20 goals, but he didn't score those 20 goals as the third line center. He got a lot of power play time. Remember him on the bumper play and getting one timers off in the slot passes from Giroux on the power play. He played up in the lineup for a lot of the year. There were times when he was up in the lineup and didn't look all that good. Maybe he's not quite ready to be there yet. Of course not. Cause he's still too young. Um, he's the third line center. Yes. He scored 20 goals, but he's still the third line center and he's just a kid and he's a kid with no leverage in this situation. And he's starting to get put on a, Yeah, like people are over-evaluating what he is and what his contribution can be. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's no Josh Norris. Like if we had gone through all these exhibition games with Josh Norris playing in the two-hole, and, and kind of looking at different guys filling in and Pinto's slot on the third line, you'd be okay watching Rock, Rock Sharche or watching even Yarventi playing some center or Ridley Gregg or whoever. There wouldn't be quite so much angst over this whole thing. It, it comes down to the fact that Norris isn't here. So that I think plays into it. It makes him seem like he's, he's far more important or far more bigger piece than he probably is at this point.
0: Yep. And a reset. Both the coach and I feel really good about Shane Pinto as a player. We're just talking about where things stand right now, as far as people's concern over his re-signing or not. That's uh, let's keep that perspective. I don't want to get any emails. And by the way, you can email us sendsnationhockey at outlook dot com. Um, but I don't want to see any emails saying you guys hate Shane Pinto. I hate you guys. No, no, we're not saying that at all. We're just saying that the uh, the outcry has gotten a little loud. Yeah. or
1: what, what the player's value is that's all do, do you want to give him colin white's contract do you want do you want that to happen here no like, you know be careful what you wish for like people out there saying he you know you need to lock him in and you need to get this no 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 relax stay calm i agree two million two and a half million okay let's not get carried away and end up with another contract that someday we might have to get rid of i'm not saying that's going to happen either but the, the way that happens is when you overpay in the beginning, you, you, you overvalue something. And let's not get carried away. That, that's part of the problem here is that the senators see him right now as the third line center and they want to pay him as such. He wants to be paid differently. Uh, I get that side of it too, but he really is. And when it comes right down to it, he's the third line center and he's not in camp. Okay, fine. We can probably fix that. But again, it comes down to the question of Josh Norris.
0: Earlier we talked about the Sens top 6 and if everything goes well that's a pretty good third line if it ends up being Shane Pinto between Kubalik and Matthew or yeah, Matthew Joseph like that's a better than average third line so maybe there is an opportunity even though he is a third liner to uh, to maintain or maybe even increase where he was so um yeah I, you want to get him signed is the bottom line but okay. uh, and I think I think the dialogue has now gone way overboard, maybe just because there's not that not not that many jobs to be won here, and that's certainly a big one and with Josh Norris being potentially dinged up, you'd like to have Shane Pinto around quite ideally. I want to ask you about makeup of 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 lines and things here in twenty twenty three We all agree that fighting is down, it's not as important as it once was. It may never have been the deterrent we think it is um so if we're if we're thinking in those terms, a softer, gentler national hockey league does the fourth line really need to be wrecking ball here in 2023 or could you maybe go with just energy speed guys who do have some skill because the senators do have some level of depth in that area and so maybe instead of a zach McEwen or a mark kastelik you're potentially looking at guys that can contribute offensively a little more yeah, I
1: see your point and you, you and it is a good one. Like you don't necessarily have to have a crash and bang fourth line, but you do need a couple of those guys in your lineup regardless. In <laughs> one way or another, whether they're playing defense or playing the top line or playing in the fourth line, you need at least two or three guys that can that can step up in a physical night when 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 required. So, yes, um I wouldn't have a problem with with a fourth line that's all skill guys, except within that skill they better be able to to muck and grind and, and, and bring some, some energy too, right? Like the bottom line is I put my fourth line on the ice. Ideally at the end of the night, they've played seven minutes, eight minutes. They didn't get scored on. If they score, it's a bonus. That's, that's what you're looking for. So regard what, what type of player that has to be probably doesn't factor in as much as, as you think it does, because really the bottom line is, did they come out even on the game? Okay, good.
0: All right. We mentioned at the outset of the show, That uh, the Blue Jays are done. Mm -hmm. They went uh, quietly into that good night. Gentle into that good night, I guess, is a Shakespearean term. I think it's Shakespeare. Uh, (laughs) They lose two straight. They're gone. And I know you've got some angst. You have some (laughs) things you need to get off your chest before the program ends as the Jays season (laughs) comes to a
1: close. I have no problem with analytics, Steve. I understand analytics. I I believe in, in analytics to a certain extent. Uh, especially in baseball, when it comes to roster building, I said roster, not lineup. There's a difference to me. Um, When you're making decisions on a ball game before the game even starts, you've determined that this guy is only going to go four innings. And then we're going to bring in this lefty because the stats say that's the thing to do. I'm sorry. The eye test, it, it seems that no consideration was given whatsoever to how well, uh, Jose Barrios was pitching in that game. I, it's it's terrible. It's inexcusable. And when you listen to John Schneider's post-game comments, um, he told you basically this was an organizational decision. Uh, uh, the, the coaching staff, this guy, that guy, everybody, this was the decision uh, the pitcher knew ahead of time, yada, yada. But none of you thought to just kind of look at it and say, wait a minute. And, and Schneider even said that it was his best game of the year. That <laughs> Barrios was pitching the best he's pitched all year, and yet you still yanked him. Sorry, that it doesn't wash with me. And if the other side of the coin on the analytics thing, where were the analytics that said that Yusei Kikuchi coming out of the bullpen is going to be good, right? He didn't pitch out of the bullpen all year. This was his first time all season. And, and it was totally different. He didn't come in and start the inning. You brought him in with a man on base. Uh, I just – no stats to back up that based on this season because Kikuchi, all he did was start games all year. I just think that the 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 whole idea of the eye test got lost in in uh, in the whole argument of whether to pull him or not pull him. And it it, it kind of makes me sick. It make, it's very frustrating. I know you probably don't care as much as I do, but it was frustrating.
0: Oh yeah, I do. I absolutely do. It's just. Uh... You know, I didn't watch as much Blue Jays baseball. If you could clone me a couple of times, then I'd watch more baseball than I <laughs> than I do. But I absolutely love, absolutely love baseball. I mean, I used to call AAA ball, for goodness sakes. Yeah. And so loved it growing up. And in your description of Kikuchi there, was like, it was bringing back memories of 1981 and Blue Monday and Steve Rogers coming out of the yeah. bullpen as a starter and giving up the Rick Monday home run that eliminated the Expos that year from uh, maybe getting to the uh, World Series. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously... That was odd, um, and I, I, I'd hate to see it get away. I mean, get Chat GPT then to be your manager if that's how you feel about it. Uh, yeah. You still have to have some—you have to have some feel for the game. You have to have some good old human instincts, and uh, you know, it's almost like, like Moneyball, where Art Howe, the manager, you know, is giving it to Billy Bean, saying, "You know what? My job is to put together this lineup you assemble for me. The lineup card belongs to me." And I would like to have seen a little more of that attitude from John Schneider because he is a baseball man. I think his heart of heart was thinking, this is ridiculous what I'm about to do here. I don't think it's isn't exclusively his decision. We need to go, though. We need to call it a day. Good luck to the Red Blacks for Thanksgiving Monday as they take on the Montreal Alouettes. Try and salvage a little something, something as we head down the stretch. Looks like the playoffs are going to be out of the picture once again, but uh, that's coming up uh on Monday and so happy thanksgiving everybody and uh, enjoy your turkey and uh, I hope you have a great weekend talk to you next time thanks greg have a good long weekend my friend thanks for being with us on the Jim K Ford Sends Nation podcast
1: if you're enjoying the show please subscribe and review share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on patreon
0: Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.